today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Enoch knew that the judgment of God was coming. And I think that's the takeaway, isn't it? This um, crisis, if I can call it that, for lack of a better word, it has had the much-needed effect of bringing people closer to Jesus. And some people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And some Christians who have strayed away coming back to Jesus. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Nobody enjoys trials, but today Pastor J.D. reminds us why we should be grateful for them nevertheless. It's in times of suffering that we grow and move beyond our selfish ambitions. Though the last few years have been particularly tough, we can be thankful that throughout the chaos, Jesus has been working in people's lives. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Like with Abel before him, Enoch pleased God. And according to the account in Genesis, I love this, the reason he was so pleasing to God was because he walked closely with God. Again, hang on to that. Now, we know that he walked close to God, but do you know why he walked close to God? Here's a thought. It's been suggested that Enoch, by faith, was keenly aware of the coming judgment of God, which is why he walked so close to God and as such was so pleasing to God. See, he knew what was coming. What was coming? A flood to destroy the entire earth as God's judgment. But Enoch, who walked close to God, pleasing to God, God was so pleased that he one day we're told, I love it, I love the, it's, it's so, it's just right there, and then you kind of read over it, and you just move on, and then, wait, not so fast, because, stop right there, because he got up one day, put on his, well, he didn't put on his pants like we do, sorry, or his robe, whatever it was. He got dressed like we do every morning. But on one particular day, he's walking, just going about his day, close to the Lord, in love with the Lord, probably talking to the Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, poof, and he took him. And and depending on the translation in Genesis, it says, and he was no more. He wasn't? No. Where'd he go? He's no more. Where'd he go? God took him. Oh, that's why he's no more. Wait a minute. That's the first rapture in the Bible. Why are you looking at me like that? And it's a picture, a type of the church of Jesus Christ. 
And not only is it a picture of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, it is a picture of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. So in the update today, uh, we were talking about Joseph and the seven year seven. Notice my hands. I'm not doing any horn devil signs. I had to qualify. This is shaka. This is not the devil sign for those of you on the mainland. And seven year famine. Did you know that pre-famine Joseph took a Gentile bride who's not heard of once the famine begins? A picture of the bride of Jesus Christ. Pre-famine. Enoch, a picture of the church of Jesus Christ pre-flood. Oh, wait a minute. I thought Noah was a picture. No, he's a picture in his family of Israel who go into the flood tribulation and are saved in the midst of the flood tribulation. That's a picture of Israel. Joseph, a type of Christ. His brethren, a picture of Israel, are saved in the midst of the seven year famine, just as Israel will be saved in the midst of the seven year tribulation, that 70th week of Daniel, that time of Jacob's trouble. Last time I checked, Jacob, Joseph's father, he had 12 sons, they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Actually, you might remember the account, it's in Genesis as well. Jacob wrestled with the Lord, the Lord. That was a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ. All night, that's one strong guy. No, think about it. And he would not let Jesus go until he blessed him. And the Lord said, I can't bless you till I break you. Wrestle all night. And what did he do? Well, <laughs> listen, all throughout Scripture, you'll never see the blessing preceding the breaking. Oh, I want to bless you, but you're too strong, so i got to break you. And he touched his hip and broke him. Now I can bless you. And then when he blessed him, he changed his name. You have to understand, Jacob, Yahob, if you're named Jacob here today, we love you. We love you. But it actually, the name is the nature. It kind of means heel snatcher, you know, kind of conniving. Again, Jacob, we love you, but that's what that name meant. And God says, you're no longer going to be Yahob. I'm going to name you Israel. You know what Israel means? Governed, ruled by God. That's what Israel means. So you'll see it interchangeably throughout Scripture, where sometimes it'll be referred to as Jacob. It's kind of crazy, because sometimes it's in the same narrative. It's kind of like God just reminding you, remember now, Jacob. It's kind of like when your parents would call you by your full name. You knew you were in trouble. <laughs> but then other times he would be referred to as Israel, governed by God, blessed by God. Oh, I have one more. Can I just do one more? Okay, what are you going to say? No. So you got Enoch pre-flood. You've got 
Joseph and his Gentile bride pre-famine, and then you've got Daniel pre-furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into a furnace, no ordinary furnace. There's very interesting detail in the record. Apparently they turned this furnace up not six times or eight times, but seven times hotter. And they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into this seven times hotter fiery furnace, and they're saved in the midst of it. And I mean, it's, it's really actually, I, I see the humor in it. Of course, I know they have clinical terms for this condition, but I mean, it's so funny to me that they would be, you know, come out. I, I thought we threw three men in there. I see four, and one looks like the Son of God. That's because it is. And they didn't even smell like smoke. Do you know the guys that threw them in there burned alive? And they didn't even smell like smoke. And there they are, and they get saved. And it's Jesus who saves them in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace. And then it's all, you guys, come out here. If I'm in there, I'm like, I'm good. It's, <laughs> hey, besides that, you're the one that threw me in here in the first place. I'll stay right where I'm at. The Lord's here. <laughs> I get saved in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace. Question, where's Daniel? Oh, he's not there. Why? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Pre-furnace. Daniel is exalted and taken up to a high position prior to the seven times hotter fiery furnace. That's just three of several. Pre-flood, pre-famine, pre-furnace. Listen, I'm never going to pass up an opportunity, especially when talking about Enoch, to mention the typology in the pre-tribulation rapture. I hope you don't mind. So what was it about Enoch, who by faith was so pleasing to God, it's because he walked so close to God. And don't you find it kind of interesting where we're at today? I truly believe that we are on the cusp of the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Because everything that we're told that's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation is already beginning to happen now with a swiftness that is, I mean, I have to confess, and I even mentioned this during the prophecy update today, I myself am taken back by how fast everything is moving. It is so fast, so fast. It actually reminds me of a, a word in the original language of the Greek New Testament found in the book of Revelation, spoken by Jesus himself. That's very telling. He says, behold, I'm coming quickly, quickly. You know what the word quickly means? <laughs> I know, deeply profound. It means quickly. But in the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the word takos. It's where we get our English word that we use in our cars for the tachometer. It is a measurement of revolutions per minute. The time is set. But the RPMs, that's the word that Jesus uses. You know what he was saying? 
Behold, I come at a time when things are revving up, speeding up. Oh. So, okay, one, one more thing. Why not? I was thinking about this. We talked about it in the prophecy update. So I went back into my archives, back to the beginning of this year. Oh, so long ago. Not really, nine months ago. And I'm looking through my notes, and I did a prophecy update on, you know, kind of a formatted it in the form of a most often asked questions concerning the jab. And one of the questions was, do you think it will be mandated? And I looked at my answer, I'm thinking, wait, did I, how did I answer that question? It's pretty bad when you don't remember what you said. Don't worry about you forgetting what I talked about last week. The problem is if I forget what I talked about last week. Well, anyway, I looked at my answer and the answer was absolutely yes. But here's what I was not prepared for. Yes, I knew it would be mandated. I just didn't know how soon. And I have to confess that this whole year has been just a blur. I mean, so much has happened so fast and things are revving up. I mean, with this chiefly, but even geopolitically, how fast things are moving. You know, if you went back five years, and you looked at what the geopolitical situation was just five years ago, and you compared it to what the situation is today, it's mind-boggling. Now, if you took that same approach, and instead of going back five years, go forward five years, it would be, I mean, exceedingly mind-boggling. I would even venture to say that many of the nations today, and I'll put Afghanistan at the forefront, five years ago were not where they're at today, nor would they reasonably be in the same place they are today five years from now. So what's your point, Pastor? My point is this, things are happening so fast, and there is this expiration date, if I can call it that, or shelf life when it comes to Bible prophecy, where everything right now is exactly as we're told it would be. And even five, ten years ago, you could not talk about Russia, Iran, Turkey, in Syria, you can today. Fast forward five, ten years from now. Do you think those same nations are going to be in the same place that they are today, with as fast as everything is moving? No way. No way. Okay, where were we? There was actually a sermon here that I was, uh, whoa, did I really go off? Oh, I know why. Because Enoch knew that the judgment of God was coming. And I think that's the takeaway, isn't it? This um, crisis, if I can call it that, for lack of a better word, it has had the much needed effect of bringing people closer to Jesus. And some people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus, and some Christians who have strayed away coming back to Jesus. I was thinking about, we talked about this on Thursday night as well, but uh, in the Psalms, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he's very open about it. He says, you know, have the Lord not afflicted me, 
I would have gone astray. In other words, I needed a crisis. I needed a trial. I needed a difficulty. I needed affliction, because that's what brought me back to you. That's what brought me back to you, close to you. See, when things are going good, we're just kind of, hey, praise the Lord. (laughs) But boy, then let adversity strike. It's like, oh God. Have you ever connected those dots, by the way? You don't think the Lord knows that? The only time He's got your undivided attention is when you're in a crisis. Oh, I haven't heard from JD in a while. I know. We'll have adversity strike. We'll hear from him immediately. (laughs) Oh Lord, hey, I missed you. I had to afflict you in order to hear from you. It's good to hear from you. Oh Lord. It's Ecclesiastes 7.14. Solomon writes that during the times of prosperity and joy, praise the Lord, but when, not if, I wish it said if, it doesn't say if, it says when, When adversity strikes, stop and consider and realize that God allows one as well as the other, brings them side by side alongside each other. Why? So that we will always be completely reliant upon Him for our future. See, when things are always going good, we just kind of take it for granted. Oh, it's always going to be good. But then adversity strikes. Is that not when we stop and consider? Is that not then that God has our attention. Oh, now that I got your attention, there's some things I want to say to you. There's some things that I want to show to you. But see, before the affliction, before the trial, I didn't have your attention. I've been wanting to tell you this and show you this. Here's where I'm going with this. I truly believe that Enoch walked so close to God that he knew and God showed him what was coming. And he was so close to God, and he knew what was coming, and that drew him even closer to to the Lord because of what was coming. One last thing on this, and then we'll move on to verse 6. I truly believe that this crisis is the last call for people to come to the Lord or back to the Lord, because the judgment of God is coming, and He will pour out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world for the last seven years of human history as we know it. And if anything, like Enoch, that should have the effect of bringing us to the Lord, and we are close to the Lord knowing what's coming. Because like Enoch, we know what's coming. All right. Verse 6. We'll spend the remainder of our time on this because this is what pleases God. It's earnestly, can I say tenaciously seeking Him. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of just this one verse tucked into this chapter in the context of Enoch, because he pleased God. And and then the writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, uh, Enoch pleased God, and without faith it's impossible to please God. Wait, can we take this slow? That's fine. So it's impossible to please 
God without faith? Yes. Okay, then does that mean that it's possible to please God with faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. One need look no further than to the Gospels to see how Jesus would stop everything and take note of someone's faith. I have not seen faith like this anywhere in Israel, or the, sadly the lack thereof, particularly on the part of the disciples. I know we talk about this often, but how many times did Jesus say to the disciples, oh you of little faith? <laughs> Why did you doubt? Why is your faith so little when your God is so big? If, if it's impossible to please God without faith, could it be that Jesus was not disgusted, but it's very possible that He was displeased, not disappointed, not surprised, kind of like, come on, what, what's up with you guys? Think about Peter when, <laughs> I mean, talk about faith. When they're in that storm, keep in mind, when they saw Jesus, they were terrified. And then Jesus identifies Himself, and then leave it to Peter. Lord, bid me come. Keep in mind, the storm had not yet been calmed. And Peter, by faith, gets out of that boat and by faith walks on water, by faith in the midst of the storm. And then he takes his eyes off the Lord, and I'll add and argue, when he took his eyes off the Lord, he also took his faith out from the Lord. And that's why he began to sink. Now, was Jesus upset with them. Come on, Peter, what's the matter with you? No. I mean, I'm thinking about the other disciples. Those guys wouldn't even get out of the boat. In fact, one has humorously suggested, and I, again, I know they have clinical terms for seeing humor in, in things like this, but the suggestion is that, you know, when he took his eyes off the Lord, he turned back to the disciples in the boat and goes, <laughs> look at me. Boom, down he went, because Pride comes before the sinking in this case. <laughs> okay, that's, that's not what happened, but anyway. But he took his eyes off the Lord. And then he prays a three-word prayer. Lord, save me. I mean, if you think about it, that's all he had time for. If he would have you know, because when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he said, you know, our Father which art in heaven, he wouldn't have been able to get that far. It would have been, our Father, he's done. So it's a really, here's my point, and believe it or not, I actually do have one. God answers three word prayers. Yeah, but where's his faith? Come on, Peter, Lord save me. You started the doubt. You took your eyes off me. No more faith in me. And down you go. And if I'm the Lord, I would have let him, which is why <laughs> I want to be Christ-like. I really do. But I would have let him just, you know, for a little bit, just to, just to really reinforce the lesson, you know? He doesn't do that. 
He reaches down and saves him. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 